theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. Praise God. Praise God. I'm so thankful for the presence of Jesus Christ. You feel the spirit of a living God. He is alive and well. He is not dead, but he is living in the hearts of many. He is doing miracles, signs, and wonders in this day and age. And I give him praise. He saved my life. He saved my life. I owe him everything. I owe him everything. My name is Akil Thompson. I am the senior pastor here at Extraordinary Church, and we are the perfect church for imperfect people. We are so glad that you're with us today. Thank you so much. It's our hope that what you're experiencing online at home is a blessing to you, and you're going to hear in a few moments a message that I believe will help transform you and encourage you in your faith in Jesus Christ and what he's doing. And I want us to pray, if that's okay. Uh, I know we've sung a couple of songs and lifted up the name of Jesus Christ, but I want to pray before I start preaching. Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus for everybody that is watching, everybody that will watch, for those that are here and part of our live stream team. I pray in the name of Jesus that your word would speak to us with clarity and with certainty, God. I pray for fresh anointing. Help me to preach and to teach your word with relevancy and with accuracy, O Lord God. I pray that you'd have your way and you'd get the glory out of everything that happens here today. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Uh, Last week we talked about um, really this being the year of alignment. And uh, for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be preaching on that, uh, really a, a theme of alignment. The Lord has given me four messages, four distinct messages that uh, I'm going to share with you that are going to help us. And so I know Vision Sunday uh, wasn't just about qualitative things and quantitative things, but it was more about something that's got to happen beneath the surface. But I believe over the next few weeks, as we get these things into alignment, our vision will become crystal clear. And I'm thankful for that. I want you to open up your Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 10. I actually, not too terribly long ago, preached from this same text talking about thread, get your thread aligned with the needle. And the Lord has brought me back to this. Let's look at Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your mother and your father. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. 
by the help of Jesus, I want to preach this thought to you this afternoon. A cross that aligns. A cross that aligns. Amen. Is anybody excited about going to heaven today? Praise God. This is why we're here. This is why we're living, living to live again with him in eternity or for eternity. The question is, and for those that are part of our live stream team, you can, you can get situated and comfortable and our musicians, you're good to go. Uh, but the question is, while we are excited about heaven, the question is, are you good enough to get in? <laughs> think about it for a moment. When most of us think about heaven and hell, uh, we think, am I, uh, am I good enough to go to heaven? And most of us would probably say, probably not. But I'm not bad enough to go to hell. And, and, and really, is it even possible to be good enough? And that's the first thing I want to tell you right now. Good is not good enough. I want you to, to, to notice Jesus as he quotes commandments to him. And this guy says, hey, I've done all those things. And we read this. Now, we read this same story in Mark 10. Luke 18 and Matthew 19. And I want to read a little excerpt from Matthew 19, verse 16. Now behold, one came and said to him, good teacher. I love this. What good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal or that I may have eternal life? See, the focus from this young rich ruler uh, seems to be uh, on if I do more good than I do bad, will I be okay? And if you talk to people who don't really understand scripture or even believers who perhaps don't take the time to read and study the Bible, and let me just push pause for just a second. The scripture does command us, no matter where you are as a believer, we are commanded to study to show ourselves approved. And so you do need to casually read the Bible, but you also need to make sure that you take out time to critically study the Bible. Can somebody say amen? And so, and for folks who haven't become believers, if you ask them about what they need to do to get to heaven or what they think, they will oftentimes focus on the good. They'll say, well, I feel like I've done more good than bad, or I'm not as bad as somebody else, or I feel like my good outweighs my bad. Here's what some people think. They really think there's like a, a big scale and God's going to put my good on one side of the scale and my bad on the other side. And I'll just barely tip the scale on the good enough side and I'll be good. And that's what this rich young ruler is thinking. What good things must I do? That's what, and Jesus says to him immediately, there's no one good but God. In other words, the only one who is good enough to go to heaven is God. I'm not saying, let me just be clear, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do good things. The scripture says that we overcome evil with good. However, I'm also not saying that we are, uh, we are not saved to good works, but I am saying that we're not saved by good works. There is no good thing. You and I can't be good enough. It's only the mercy of God. It's only the grace of God. It's only the goodness of God. 
And because this young rich ruler is going down this line of being good enough, Jesus kind of entertains him, if you will, and goes down this line with him for just a moment. And I want you to notice what he did because it almost seems like that Jesus is espousing to this theory of good enough. He said, well, you know the commandments. And he names some of the commandments. And if you just look at your Bibles or your Bible app, whatever, if you go back to that text in Mark chapter 10, verse 17, and you begin to read through them, starting at verse 19, you'll notice that there are a number of commandments. And not to bore anybody, but if you look quickly, you'll notice that there are six in particular that Jesus references. However, if your memory serves you correctly, you'll know there are more than six commands. There's 10. There's 10. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. I mean, he, he didn't forget the other four. He was the author of all 10 of them. But he, 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 he cites these six in particular. And you, you'll, you'll find all 10 if you don't know in Exodus and in Deuteronomy. But why didn't he name all 10? Well, the commandments are divided up into two categories, if you don't know. The first four commandments, the first four commandments have to do with man's relationship to God. The last six commandments have to do with man's relationship to man. Okay? And so these, the ones that are the relationship to man, are the ones that Jesus references. Four have to do with your relationship with God. Six have to do with your relationship to man. And so, by the way, if you don't remember, Jesus was asked, well, what's the greatest commandment? And he responded and he, he lists the two categories. He says, love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And those, that covers the first four. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. That covers the last six. So he only lists, though, those that has to do with a relationship or relationship to man. So let me tell you why I believe Jesus only referenced the last six. Because the first commandment, the guy had already failed. You shall have no other gods before me. And he already had a God before God. And that was his possessions. See, Jesus goes right to the heart of the matter here. There's none good. There's none good enough. And this is difficult for us to understand. But God phrases it this way in Romans 3, 12. There is none who does good. No, not one. See, God says there's not one who does good, but we can't get our, our, our mind around this. The reason why he had to say, no, not one, because he knew people would argue. God says, there's not one who does good. What about Mother Teresa? No, not one. What about Nelson Mandela? No, not one. What about Abraham Lincoln? No, not one. No, no, no. <laughs> not one. You know, even when I say that right now, from just the handful of people that are here, I felt resistance. Like, there's got to be someone that's good. Like, got to be someone. No, not one. Not one good enough. If you violated, if you violated one commandment in scripture, here's what the Bible says, you've broken all of them. If you've just broken one. In other words, to be good is to be God. 
Do you realize that we even get the word good from the word God? Jesus says, listen, there's only one good, and that's God. You know, see, our problem is we have degrees of good. (laughs) I mean, this might not be good, but is it that bad? I mean, there are degrees. And if you have children, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I can remember our eldest, for whatever reason, she had a time when she loved to. She was, I don't know, maybe six or so. She would take her fingernails and dig them into her beloved brother and just bless him. They would be in little fights or whatever, and uh, just she would, she would do that. And I can remember after we discovered it, uh, you know, and we, we, we addressed it. And if you've ever had children and you have to talk to them, you understand that you have to kind of be like a Pastor Mateo, if you will, and be a little bit of an attorney when you're talking with your children. You just kind of notice, you, you kind of have to say, please instruct the witness to answer yes or no. And there'd be those times where we sit down with our kids and there've been times when you who have kids, you've asked your kids, did you scratch your brother? And you can see her thinking. And I'm just like, it's yes or no. Yes, but he did da 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 In other words, yes, what I did was bad, but it wasn't that bad. See, this is, how, this is how we think. But can I tell you, good is not good enough. Okay, the second thing that I want to show you is this. God requires total alignment. Let me give it to you another way. God requires complete commitment. Okay, somebody said, <laughs> okay. All right, listen, listen. Well, What do you think about when Jesus said that? Well, you know the commandments, and he's naming them, and this guy's probably going through them in his mind while Jesus is saying, okay, honor your mother and father. Did that. Okay, don't lie. Okay, did that. Don't steal. Did that. Don't commit adultery. Did that. Don't murder. Okay, okay, I've done all of those things. I've done it, I've done it, I've done it. And then he's he's like, I've done them all. I've done them all. I must be good enough. And Jesus says, well, there's one more thing you need to do. Now, This guy's probably thinking at this moment, I've I've got hope. I've got hope. I'm thinking, he's like, man, this is great. What's what's the one thing? What's the one thing? Sell everything and give it to the poor. He's probably like, oh, okay. uh, Any other options? Because, I mean, think about that. How do you feel after hearing that? Sell everything, give it to the poor, take up your cross and follow me. Now, let me ask you a question, Now, and let me be clear, okay, especially those watching online and those that are part of our live stream here, uh, the team, uh, don't answer this out loud, but would you give everything away to go to heaven? Okay, just think about it. Now, here's a better question. Have you? Have you? I'm not saying have you literally dispersed or distributed all of your assets, but the question is, who is the owner? Have you given everything to God? 
Because God requires total commitment. Now, don't, 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 don't get upset with me. I told my wife this on the way over. I said, I'm, I'm not trying to upset somebody, but I feel like Extraordinary Church is maturing, if you will. I know, you know what? I told her, I said, I'm, I'm just going to say this. I think they understand my heart, but it's humorous to me when I connect with people and I talk with people and they're like, Pastor, I love God with all of my heart. In other words, 100%. And I don't know where you are on this side of the issue, but I find it humorous to a degree that they say they love God with all of their heart yet they argue about 10% I can't figure that one out I've given everything I've given everything to God really? do you tithe? what? 10% of my income are you crazy? (laughs) how much have you given God? 100% but not 10% I'm not trying to say some things to shock you or disturb you. I'm just trying to unpack some things. Jesus himself preaches more about money than he does anything else. That's just in scripture there. And you know, money is probably the thing we preach the least, except the open heaven prayer that we declare over your finances. But I think there's some people who think they're Christians who aren't. And I can base it really on that scripture. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm not sure your heart is in the kingdom of God. I can tell you this, if your treasure is not there, then I'm sure your heart's not there. And I'm sure you've not given everything to God. Now, let me ask you another question that I don't want you to answer out loud. Okay? But... Did Jesus tell this man he had to sell everything to go to heaven? No. (laughs) No, let me answer for you. No, he did not. He did not. Read it again. Look at Mark 10, 21. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor. Now watch what he says here. And if you do this, you will have treasure in heaven. If you become a giver, you'll have treasure in heaven. Now watch this. And come take up the cross and follow me. Do you know what the guy had to do to go to heaven? He had to do the same thing every other person has to do. Take up their cross and follow Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, that's what the Lord is telling us today. If we want to be in alignment with what he has for us, we're going to have to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him and not allow the things of the world to bog us down, to distract us. Are you hearing me today? Look at this scripture in Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If you desire to come after Jesus, if I desire to come after Jesus, if anyone desires to come after him, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow him. See, here's what Jesus did for this man. He said, hey, to go to heaven, you need to take up your cross and follow me. But in order to take up your cross, you have to deny yourself. And the place or where you need to deny yourself, young rich ruler, is in your possessions. 
See, what he was doing was telling him, here's what's stopping you from making a decision that will align you with me. The aligning decision is the same for every person. You have to take up your cross and follow Jesus. But before anybody can take up their cross and follow him, you have to deny yourself first. You, we're not even talking about do you have a cross unless you've denied yourself first. So the one thing that's stopping the young rich ruler is his money. Now here's the big question. What's the one thing stopping you? Is it a relationship? Is it a sin? Is it a habit? Is it a stronghold, an attitude, self-defeating speech, harsh words, or not being loving? He wasn't willing to deny himself. Therefore, he could not pick up his cross and follow Jesus. But if anyone desires him, if anyone desires to come after him, you have to deny yourself first, take up your cross and follow him. But to most of us, to most of us, the cross is an ornament today. Something to be perched atop a steeple or a tombstone. Or perhaps something dangling around your neck in 24 karat gold or a fabric bookmark for your Bible. But in the scripture, the cross was anything but an ornament. It was an instrument, yes, but it was an instrument of excruciating torture and death. It was like a slow motion, I want you to hear me, like a slow motion electric chair. Death by degrees. That's what it was. The cross is a symbol of suffering and shame. Reminds me of this humorous story to maybe lighten the mood for just a moment about a 10-year-old boy who was failing in math class. So he's transferred to a Catholic school for whatever reason. And after the first day of classes in the Catholic school, the boy's parents were surprised when he totally changed his ways and at the end of the term had achieved best grade ever, an A in math. His parents quizzically asked him on the dramatic turnaround. The boy seriously explained, on the first day when I walked in the front door and saw that guy they nailed to the plus sign, I just knew they meant business with math. The cross means God is serious about his math. Before the cross, it was a minus, no means of reconciliation. After the cross, hope was added to the world. But the plus symbol was not carved in gold. It was a cruel, old, rugged tree. But I'm thankful for the cross. I'm thankful I serve a God who willingly laid down his life for me, paid my price, paid my punishment. I know the cross was suffering. I know it was bloody and gory, but he did it for me. Is anybody thankful for the cross today it's an instrument of humility littered around the major intersections of the Roman highways for all to see oftentimes we get ourselves caught up in pictures and we think that the cross or the individual on the cross it would be so high they would be out of reach you you error there as a matter of fact Jesus and whomever they were crucifying would be close enough so that people could spat upon them, could reach up and slap them and aggravate them. So he wasn't out of reach. He wasn't out of reach. But let me tell you why we, 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 we mess up here because God requires total alignment, total commitment. But here's where we make a mistake. And the third point I want you to get is we don't make this personal. You have to make this personal. See, one of the subtle influences of the enemy uh, that is seen in our refusal to take things personally, people who constantly refer to the church as this church, 
or the church or west or worse yet your church have yet to allow something to get in their spirit. See, Jesus so designed churches that they only grow by people investing their lives in them. Can I tell you, you need to be all in. Superficial relationships yield shallow churches. Can I just tell you, if you want to be connected, you've got to be all in. It was no accident that Paul said, according to my gospel. Wait a minute, Paul, it was Christ's gospel. Yes, but what he's saying is, I must appropriate it unto myself. We must learn to use this personal, possessive pronoun. It's not just the gospel, it's my gospel. It's not just the sin or a sin, it's my sin. It's not just a transgression, it's my transgression. It's not just a walk with God, it's my walk with God. It's not just the Lord. God Thomas said my Lord and my God my God shall supply all of your needs according to it's not just the cross it's my cross it's my prayer life it's my quiet time it's my time to feast on his word it's my testimony it's my praise it's my worship it's my responsibility it's my privilege it's my cross only those who take it personally will discover how difficult it is to do by yourself. Only those who take responsibility will discover the impossibility. But if you, you don't get this, if you don't get this stepping stone, you can't go to the other side. You can't cross from self-life into Christ life. Only as you take responsibility, then can you accept help. It is then you can say with Paul and millions of others, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. I give my life to Jesus to live his life through me. Take it personally. This is my church in which to sacrifice and to grow. This is when we come back to in-person gatherings. This is my row and I'm going to fill it. This is my Bible to read. This is my day to worship God. This is my day to testify. This is my day to pick up my cross and deny myself. So what was Jesus saying? What did he mean when he said you should take up your cross? I'll tell you, three different occasions he uses this terminology. One with the rich young ruler, to his disciples, and then to a multitude. It was the Lord's message from one to many, from those within and those without. He didn't change his message for his audience. It was a consistent call. I want you to hear me. A consistent call to costly discipleship. Jesus said that a disciple of his is one who denies himself, takes up his cross, and follows after him. So your cross is one that causes you to turn from the self-life to the Christ life. One old writer said it like this. I quote him, the only thing that will burn in hell is self. What your cross does is addresses the self-life in the here and now and not in the future. That is why Paul used many different phrases to indicate this. I am crucified with Christ. I die daily. 
Our old self was crucified with him. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. If you live to the flesh, you will die. Live to the spirit, you will live. Mortify the deeds of the flesh. I'm quoting Paul. I'm telling you, if we're going to get into alignment, we need a cross in our lives. A cross that will help us get our attitudes under our feet. A cross that will help us get in alignment. A cross that will cause us to obey. A cross that will get us to think about others before we think about ourselves. A cross that says your will be done your kingdom come my life and my family praise God and as we're here the fourth point that I want to mention to you the third was making it personal but here's what I love Jesus loved him he loved him look at this in verse 21 then Jesus looking at him loved him now this is big to me jesus loved him enough to tell him the truth he loved him enough to confront him where he was he loves you enough to tell you the truth see the guy goes away sad once he hears this but look at the next part Verse 23, then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. Now notice the word have to enter the kingdom of God. See, <laughs> what are you holding on to? If you, well, see, and can I just tell you this? Don't exclude yourself from this, please. I know you're probably thinking, I'm not rich. Let me just help you out right now. I, I researched it again to confirm this. If you live here in Canada, then you are richer than three-fourths of the world. Period, period, period. Even at the poverty line, you're richer than three-fourths of the world. How hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? And Watch this, verse 24. And the disciples were astonished at his words. Now he's going to explain a little bit more, but Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. And now listen to what he says. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible but not with God, for with God all things are possible. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. You know why he encouraged them at that particular moment? You know why the disciples were astonished? Because we buy into misinformed conclusions. You think because you saw it on Hollywood, they were broke, busted, and disgusted. That is wrong. The disciples were not poor. Peter and John own their own fishing business. Read it. The Bible says they left boats, plural. Left nets, plural. Left their hired workers. These men were business owners. Matthew was a tax collector. Why do you think they said, well, who then can be saved? Peter even says, Lord, we left all to follow you. Read it. In other words, he's like, Lord, you're talking to us. And the Lord said, no, 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 no. It's not possible with man, but with God, 
all things are possible. Can I tell you today, we need a cross in our lives. Today, God is calling us to a place of sacrifice. Today, God is asking us, do you have a cross that aligns, that will keep you in alignment with me? Can I just help you right now? You want to know why some of us are going through chaos? Some of us are fighting hell because you're not in alignment. Some of us have gotten to the point where your Christianity is really not Christianity at all because Christ is not in the center of it. You yourself are in the center of it. You have got to begin to deny yourself. You have got to begin to get your flesh and your carnal thinking under your feet and you have to begin to pick up your cross and follow him. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. I'm going to share uh, this song with you. It's been on my heart. I've been singing it all morning. And last night as I was just developing my thoughts here, it was written by George Bernard. And evidently, it was the most recorded religious song in the 20th century. And the theme of the song was not, not something that you hear that often today. But I want to share the lyrics with you. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. Oh, that old rugged cross so despised by the world has a wondrous attraction for me. For the dear Lamb of God left his glory above to bear it to dark Calvary. In that old rugged cross, stained with blood so divine, a wondrous beauty I see. For twas on that old cross Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me. To the old rugged cross I will ever be true. In shame and reproach gladly bear then he'll call me home then he'll call me someday to my home far away where his glory forever I'll share so I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down praise God I'll cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown can I encourage you for a moment let me tell you why you have to be in alignment and I I know we hit four points good is not good enough God requires total alignment you got to make it personal and Jesus loved him but let me tell you what's going to happen Revelation 4 and 10 the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before their throne saying you are worthy O Lord to receive glory honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created can I tell you the reason why you have to be totally committed and pick up a cross is because in the next life you're going to receive a crown I know it might be tough now but that crown when you get it and you get in his presence 
you'll lay that crown down. I want to ask you today, and I want you to begin to posture yourself. I want you to begin to bow your head, close your eyes, and begin to worship. Just ask yourself this question. Do I know for sure if I'm going to heaven? That's what this guy was asking. What good thing can I do? Good thing to inherit eternal life. Jesus said, no, 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 you can't, you can't really be good enough. But you can take up the cross and follow me, and I'll get you there. Why? Because I want to help you get into alignment. Maybe this is your first time with us online. Maybe you've been coming for a while. Maybe you've grown up in church. Maybe you've gotten away from God. What I'm telling you is you have to give it up. Jesus doesn't want you to be a pauper. In that same text, I didn't, I didn't say it, but he went even further. He said, look guys, nobody will leave children, mother, father, land for my sake and not receive a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come. But we have to come to a place when we're willing to give it all. That's the only way. Why do you think I'm here? Because I picked up a cross. I'm asking you, will you give everything to Jesus today? Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.